Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. As we kick off hour number three, we want to give a big shout out to Jim. He won a four-pack of tickets to go see the Vegas Vipers this upcoming weekend. They picked up their first W of the XFL season. Last weekend, they look to make it two in a row, and Jim and three others will be going to the game coming up this weekend. We'll have more of those tickets on the way. Join us right now as we kick off hour number three of the show. Mike Sando, our good friend from The Athletic, on Twitter at Sando NFL. And Mike, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you and really wanted to talk to you about free agency. To me, it felt like as the first week has been wrapped up, we're into week two now, it never felt like there was that guy out there that we kept refreshing Twitter to see where he was going to go or that just that huge name yeah. that everyone was trying to hope that their their team was going to go out there and get. Was there, was there that guy in free agency this year? Uh, no, I don't think there was at all. And I think what we've seen is those players get traded now. And that's Tyreek Hill. It's Devontae Adams, the real big names. You noticed in this cycle, other than a couple of quarterback issues that were going on with Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr, you you know you weren't having guys that were like star wide receivers suddenly hitting the market right you you did see some some defensive linemen but a lot of them kind of defensive tackle types uh not necessarily the elite outside rushers because i think most teams have kept those guys off the market when they when they really want to and and you know so that's really what it is what's available is just kind of What's left with some good players in there, but right. maybe just not as marquee. Right, and the Raiders went out and they brought in Jimmy G and Jacoby Myers, and those, I think, were the two biggest names that they brought in, and they're kind of taking that approach of get the heavy hitters and the bigger names in the upcoming draft as they have 12 draft picks and then just kind of fill some voids in with some you know, some rotational players, guys that are going to go out there and compete, some special team guys. Is that the right approach that you think that the Raiders should be taking this offseason? Um, you know, I... Yes, I don't think they should be loading up with a bunch of overpaying a bunch of guys to free agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that's the way to go for really anybody. I mean, that's proven out. The you know, you, you go over the top one year, and then you look a year later, and there's a reason a lot of times that guy uh, was available. I think what's interesting about the Raiders, and they're not the only team to do it, but they're getting familiarity, right? They're getting mm-hmm. Jacoby Myers, New England background. They're getting Jimmy Garoppolo, New England. Uh, background, right? Some guys like that that maybe are going to help the coach implement his system. And I think there's an interesting debate to be had over that. Uh, what's the value of that uh, versus, uh, you know, in some cases, getting the, the talented guys that were on the team already to buy into your system, right? And we've seen Darren Waller be traded, some other guy, Derek Carr, leave the building, those sorts of things. I think that's the most interesting component of. Uh, what the Raiders are doing. Again, we're talking with Mike Sando from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And I say, Ruff, this is my man DeBond's got one for you. Every year you do the quarterback tier, so where does Jimmy Garoppolo wake, yeah. rank in those tiers for you? Yeah, just a top tier, you know, Mahomes, Herbert, uh, those types of guys at the top, second tier. You know, Lamar Jackson's been in there, Dak Prescott's been in there uh, for years, like a Matt Ryan was in there, Stafford would be in there. Uh, Jimmy has kind of been bottom of two, top of three. So top of three is usually Kirk Cousins, right? He's kind of in that in that bucket as well. So I think if Jimmy were could be healthy the whole year, I think he might settle in as a low two. Uh, but 
you know, the injury concern has probably hurt him a little bit in the eyes of people. So where does he rank compared to Derek Carr, do you believe, in those tiers? Um, so I think similarly. Um, I, th- I think they both, I think Carr's been in that same world. You know, Carr probably is perceived to have Tier 2 talent, but ends up maybe topping out at the bottom of two, and, and for a lot of people is top of three. So I think a little bit similarly for different reasons. Um, I think that Carr's physical ceiling, you know, some people are enamored with that, and there's different coaches in the league that might elevate him and think, hey, if I could coach him, you know, I could get it out of him. But, uh, you know, there's been a little bit of – I think Carr sort of rallied maybe a year year or so ago. People were thinking a little more highly of him. I think it's kind of gone back to, you know, high tier three where you'd favor – if you're favorable over Jimmy, it's just because you think he's going to play more of the games. Speaking of ceilings, with the draft coming up, it was it was reported last week by the Athletic that the Raiders wanted to trade up to that number one spot. But I do think that they still could trade up at number three. Do you think that any of the quarterbacks will reach that top ceiling that you haven't projected at, or maybe it's not worth it to go up to three to get a quarterback? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it depends certainly on what their evaluation is. But I don't see anybody that's such sure bad in the draft i think there's some intriguing guys and if you feel convicted on one of them um i think you should go up and get them and we've seen teams uh do that going up for mahomes or going up for josh allen when those teams really convicted even though for whatever reason there those guys weren't going to be taken to the top so i think if you have that conviction um you do it just looking at it i don't necessarily see somebody you know that you have to go up and get and they they have jimmy garoppolo it's not like they don't have anybody Right. No, exactly. And so I think it kind of leaves them open to be able to do a multiple different things. Sitting there at number seven when it comes up to the NFL draft. Again, we're talking with Mike Sando from The Athletic here on Radio Nation Radio 920. How about the running back market? We've seen a lot of running backs sign, but not for big money. So what does that have to do or what does that say for the guys like a Josh Jacobs and a Saquon Barkley and a Tony Pollard yeah. who are holding the franchise tag for their teams? Uh, it's tough. It's just tough for them, you know, because I think Josh Jacobs, there's really no one who – represented what you probably want a Raider to be than him, you know, last year. And I think it is important to reward your best players and guys you think who do it the right way. And you'd think he'd be at the top of that list. At the same time, I understand where teams are coming from because, you know, the lifespan, the career span of players at that position makes you think strategically that playing them on the franchise tag maybe is the way to go rather than thinking, you know, uh, a lot of money into him. We've seen some of those types of situations with really good players like Todd Gurley, even Zeke Elliott, uh, to some degree in Dallas, where you kind of regretted going to the top of the market. So if you, I think that's the answer. If you go look at the biggest money deals that have been done for running backs, I think in most cases, you know, you'd probably say, yeah, you know, maybe I wish we didn't do that. Even though in Josh Jacobs' case, like, he kind of deserves it, right? I mean, right. he played great. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like a situation where maybe they give him a, a couple-year deal or, or a front-loaded contract? Maybe maybe it's a four-year deal, but in reality it's really only a two-year yeah. deal? Yeah, I could see that. Now, it depends what he wants to take, too, and you right. know, what he thinks he can get and all of that. Does he want to roll the dice and play another year? But, yeah, I think that I think that's the way that I would do it uh, for, for running back and give him a couple years of money and, and not be committed too much after that. I want to touch on some of the bigger topics of free agency around the NFL. Aaron Rodgers, what do you think it's going to take for the Jets to finally get him? Because he said he wants to play for the Jets, but they can't agree on compensation. 
Well, there's usually on situations like this, it takes some kind of a deadline or pressure, right? And so, you know, I think the draft is that for for some degree, to some degree, really, in terms of wanting to get picks this year for Green Bay. I do think there's a next year component to get the deal done. I think right now you probably, if you're the Jets, you're, you don't want to go too over the top with what you give up because you're not sure how long Rodgers is going to play. And so you also aren't really sure how well you're going to do. So wouldn't you want to have some kind of a conditional pick involved in the future so that Green Bay can get rewarded? If this, if Rodgers really plays great and you go to the playoffs or get to the Super Bowl or something, then maybe Green Bay does get a really high pick next year. But can it be pegged to how he does, to how the team does, even how long he plays? Maybe there's even a future pick after that. And speaking of a deadline, what do you think the deadline is for Lamar Jackson in Baltimore? Well, the draft is another one. I mean, the draft is another benchmark for that one or a milepost for that one because uh, if you're going to sign him to an offer sheet and give up, you know, potentially give up two first-round picks, you can't give up a 2023 first-round pick if the 2023 draft is over, right? right? So I think that is an interesting point in all of this. Would a team at that point... After the draft, maybe you didn't get a quarterback, right? Or maybe maybe there's a team that still has a need, and now you're not giving up a 2023 pick. Maybe that would make more sense uh, to go down that road. Who do you think is the next quarterback to reset the market? As we see Orlando Brown Jr., Laramie Tunsil, they're setting the market at left tackle. Who's going to be the next quarterback to reset the quarterback market? It's fascinating because the you look at Joe Burrow and you look at Justin Herbert, and you look at Jalen Hurts, those are the three guys. And the thing about Burrow and Herbert is their organizations know them for throwing around money, mm-hmm. um, fairly or unfairly. If you remember, and this is the Bengals have evolved, but remember Carson Palmer like basically retired to get out of there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and couldn't agree on the money. So I don't want to hold that against Cincinnati now. I think it's a little bit of a different organization, but it makes you wonder if if Jalen Hurts, um, you know, could be the one to do it next for those guys from an organization that has been, you know, pretty proactive and, uh, and aggressive and paying. So it's, I think it's one of those three guys. It's hard to tell which one, but, um, you know, maybe the Eagles are a team to watch. Mike Sandoz, our guest from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920, NSA Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. Were you surprised that C.J. Gardner-Johnson got a one-year deal worth up to $8 million from Detroit and nothing else from anyone else? Yeah, yeah. You know, it was for what his contribution to, to the Eagles uh, wound up being last season. But it's kind of when you look at the Saints, you know, they kind of were willing to move on for him for not much either. So maybe there's more that we don't know as to a fit or, or, or whatever, but now you're on basically three teams in pretty three rapid fire, you know, fashion. So, and the Eagles are a team that, you know, while they had some challenges with their cap and, and stuff, it wasn't like it was that huge of a deal. So maybe there's more there to that than we understand between him and, the, him and those teams. Yeah, I can see that. You know, there's a couple different reports out there that teams were a little, you know, not weary, but kind of, you know, interested in seeing what was going on maybe behind the scenes. So it looked like there could have been possibly something else going on. Final question for you, as far as a free agent that you're still waiting for them to sign, like a guy that you may be looking at saying, okay, any day now this shoe should drop. Is there a guy out there right now that you're looking at? Uh, there's not. You know, if you had asked me that, if I knew you were going to ask me that 20 minutes ago, maybe I'd look at the list, but that's, that tells us about the list. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, really, I mean, 
I feel like free agency on the by by the middle of last week, people were signing long snappers. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, it, the Raiders did it. I, I really believe that. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Exactly, the Raiders did it. I really believe that it's changed. I, that free agency is different, and it, there used to be a long arc to it where you would have uh, it would take a while before those uh, basement deals were coming in, those bargain deals were coming in. I think the bargain deals were coming in from the beginning. So. Yeah, yeah no. I, I don't see it. I, I agree. Big name. I agree with you, and that that kind of just kind of co-signs what we were talking about. It's just not what it used to be when it comes to free agency, and it sure wasn't that this past year. Well, Mike, fantastic stuff as always. What are you working on? What do you got cooking up on the athletic? We should be on the lookout for. Yeah, well, my uh, football GM podcast co-host Randy Mueller and I will be uh, recording tomorrow for. I think we're going to take a look. I think Randy's going to take a look at and rank the college quarterbacks coming out. You won't want to miss that because he's great at doing that. Really, his stuff on the draft last year was amazing. It was our first year of doing this. So I'm really anxious to see uh, you know how he's got them stacked this year. Yeah, no, I am as well. We'll definitely be checking that out. Great little uh, nugget right there. Good little tease right there for something for us yeah. to be paying attention to. So, Mike, thanks so much for your time. We always appreciate you. Hey, thank you. Absolutely. Mike Sando from The Athletic. I like that little tease there right there. Ranking the college quarterbacks. That's definitely something to pay attention to. Uh, so good stuff right there. Uh, Mike Sando from The Athletic talking a little free agency. And that's the thing, DeMond. Like, people are down on what the Raiders have done in free agency. Not a whole lot of teams have done a whole lot. I mean, there's some teams like Chicago that threw out big money. San Francisco threw out some big money on Hargraves. But outside of that, there hasn't really been that big name. I know, I remember years where I would, when free agency would open up, I'd just refresh Twitter, refresh Twitter, refresh Twitter, waiting for that certain big name to drop. I never did that this year. And not just for the Raiders, I'm talking about in general. Yeah, like you said, where teams throw out big money were really not really the the, the 49ers. Just one signing. Right. The Bears, they got the linebacker from the Bills. Yep. But besides that, you know, they traded the number one pick, so they're good when it comes to the assets that they're going to have. Just no splashes to be made. And he said, hey, the, it's just not going to happen for these guys where it, it takes away that exciting, like, who won free agency? Right. It's not even a fun question to ask because – who really did win it? Right. I mean, again, it's just not what it used to be. And a lot of the players that are big-time names are staying with their teams, right? And, and I respect that. And, again, we say it all the time, and I've been saying it for years. I know Tim Brown said it multiple times. Teams keep who they want to keep. Mm-hmm. They find ways to keep who they want to keep. Jerron Payne, I keep going back to him. That's my perfect example. I just knew he was on his way out of Washington. They hit him with the franchise tag, and even before he had a chance to get outside the building and talk to anyone, they're like, nope, we got you. Lock him up long-term. And you saw more of that. Then you saw uh, big-time free agents going to other teams. Just That's just the reality of it this year. So I can definitely appreciate that. Uh, many thanks to Mike Sando from The Athletic joining us there. 4.15 is the time. We'll come back, get to your calls, get to your texts. Is there a move or two that Dave Ziegler and the rest of the front office can make at this point that'll get you excited about the direction the team is going? That doesn't have to be a free agent. That could be a trade. That could be a move up in the draft. Anything that would get you excited, let us know about it. Plus, we got coming up at 4.30, D. Orlando Ledbetter from the AJC talking about what he saw at at, uh, Auburn's Pro Day, including Cam Newton throwing the ball. So the question we throw out there, what's your level of interest in Cam Newton? Is 33, hasn't played since 2021. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. If you're driving around the local area, be careful. Las Vegas Metro Police Department tweeted out, we're investigating a deadly crash at the intersection of Desert Inn and Jones. At least six people have been taken to the hospital. One person has been pronounced deceased. There are road closures in the area. Please avoid the area for ongoing investigation. Again, just kind of giving you a heads up. If you are driving out and about, and even if you're not around that area, just be careful. Be careful out there, man. It's wet. It's been rainy. 
People start driving fast. People go through red lights. There's a lot of things going on on the road, so just definitely be care- careful. And check on your loved ones as well. I just sent the, the wife a text real quick. Hey, you haven't left the job yet, have you? Nope, not leaving until about 5-ish. Okay, good. <laughs> and this is the reason why. Okay, great. Just It never hurts to go ahead and check on your loved ones, make sure that everyone is good because, again, you just never know. So I do caution you if you're out there on the road to be very careful. Uh, don't text and drive. It could wait. Trust me, it could wait. It's normally not that good anyway, right? Stay off Twitter, all that good stuff. Don't need it. Coming up at 4.30, D. Orlando Ledbetter from the AJC. He'll join us. He'll talk all things Auburn's Pro Day, what he saw from Cam and other players there at Auburn. And again, we saw many videos, Damon, uh, from what was coming out of Auburn's Pro Day, and there were so many people in attendance. For everyone who said that, oh, Cam's taken away from the youngsters, no, no, he's not. There were so many eyeballs on that. Regardless of anyone thinks that Cam has anything left in the tank, there were so many eyeballs there that could do nothing but help the guys that are there representing trying to get a, a spot in the NFL. Yeah, anybody who's there receiving, anybody who's there, it's not going to hurt you that Cam Newton brought more eyeballs to you. Where that's it's one of those things where your argument it's it's dumb. If a guy he blazes he blazes his forty. Oh man, he didn't he didn't clock this time at the combine. He's you know how many tenths of a second faster here. Where it's just it's idiotic to think that it, Cam Newton being here that's hurting these guys shine. No, it just like I said, it just put more eyeballs on the program. So we'll talk to D Orlando Ledbetter, my guy, uh, coming up around four thirty. Uh, got a couple texts that I wanted to get to at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Derek Hall and Tank Bixby and also Owen Popo. I don't know his uh, how to say his name correctly. I apologize. Are good players in the draft from Auburn this year? Thank you so much for that. Uh, Mailman Raider said, "Yo Q." Looking at free agency so far, what position group has improved the most? There's a lot of offseason left, but I don't think I can find a single group as of right now. We must hit in the draft. We see no more upgrades in free agency. As Mailman Raider, I'll say I think the wide receiver room improved. I definitely believe the wide receiver room improved. I think having Jacoby Myers is a legit number two. Who was the legit number two last year? I'll wait. But is it a watch now that Darren Waller's going already? You consider, He's hey, he wasn't end. on the field. He was a tight end. That just means a receiving option. Right. Well, he wasn't available that much last year, so there's that. Hunter Renfro wasn't available that much last year, so there's that. Matt Collins literally had a career year because he had to. So I think Jacoby Myers being that number two guy, legit number two guy, that can get open, that finds a soft spot in the zone, that makes himself available for the quarterback, that gets yards after the catch, he doesn't drop the ball, I think that that's, that's a, that's a big-time get. Again, the two big names that the Raiders have brought in, Jimmy G and Jacoby Myers. Everyone else, rotational piece, fills a little bit of a void. Those two guys are the ones that are really important so far from what the Raiders have done. All right, so receivers improved. Right. Quarterback room? Uh. No, nah, I think it's a wash. I think it's, I think it's you know, similar. I, I'm not going to throw salt on Derek Carr's name. I think he did good. For what he, you know, what he was worth, um, you know, he, he did it for nine years. I think he did a good job. Uh, I think Jimmy G is going to do a good job as long as he can stay on the field. I think they're very similar quarterbacks. Derek obviously has a little bit stronger arm, could hit the deep ball a little bit more, but you know, Jimmy has his characteristics that are good as well. And you know, I think that it's very important for Red Nation to support him. He is the quarterback. Uh, you know, he's going to try to lead this team to victories, as you heard him say in the introductory press conference. And I think a lot of people came away from that press conference pretty impressed. From what they heard with Jimmy G, I don't think everyone was 100% on board. I know I've been, you know, papooing the signing before it ever happened. But once he signed, he, he's the Raider quarterback. And either you're going to choose to support him or you're not. And I'll choose to support him. That's just me. I know everyone's not going to do that. That's fine. But, again, that's just me. Uh, got a text here uh, from, looks like the 253. 
Cam said there isn't 32 quarterbacks better than him. Not humbling anything, LOL. And I like him, but not for our squad. And I'll tell you right now, I don't know how many quarterbacks are better than Cam, right? I don't know where he's at right now. That's why we'll talk to D. Orlando Ledbetter. But when he said there ain't 32 blank blank out there that are better than him, I can see his argument, <laughs> right? I, I guess there's some quarterbacks out there that are pretty bad and some quarterbacks that have been backups, and this is all I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a starter. I'm talking about a backup. There are some pretty bad backups in the league, including a Nate Peterman who continues to get jobs. Uh, let's see who Glennon is still out Carson there. Carson still getting Carson, starting jobs. Carson Wentz is still getting starting jobs. Mitchell Trubisky is still out there. There's a lot of quarterbacks that ain't worth the salt. Sam Darnold just got, got a job in San Francisco. He ain't been a salt since New York. I mean, let's just keep it a buck. And also, what do you want players to say? Would you, would you feel confident signing anybody? Oh, like Anthony Richardson coming out of the draft. And well, you I'm know like, I'm not that good. Yeah, guys. <laughs> hey, man, these guys are real talented. You know I, I'm not that good. <laughs> I'd say draft me in the sixth round if you could. Uh, may, I'm probably maybe the eighth best quarterback in this draft. Hey, I don't want to sell you to. You don't think you're the best? You don't want to go? Hey, I don't, I'm not over-promising nothing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I'm just saying, man, I ain't that good. I might be 53rd on a good day. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. It's 702-365-9200. Who we got up? Houston from L.A. Houston from L.A. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, what's up, Big Q? Chilling. How y'all doing? With DeMond, peace, man. Y'all working it uh, dope like y'all always do, man. Y'all the best. Appreciate you. All right, but so, hey, I'm I'm be honest, man. Like, um, last year, uh, I was a little worried about the offensive line, and, and um, I was definitely worried about the defensive line as far as the pieces we didn't retain and, you know, pick up. But the offensive line proved themselves. This year... I'm just, you know, it's just a matter of opinion, man, but it seems like whoever's running as far as deciding who the players are, you know, seems like they're kind of stingy, man, on the offensive side. Because it's like, I don't want the defensive coordinator next year to be the scapegoat while the defense was trash because, I mean, I appreciate the free safety we picked up and a couple of others, but it's like, man, you see these contracts, $11 million going to – a wide receiver, which we don't even really need right now. I mean, it's in my opinion. And then we, we see, you know, uh, high amounts of money being spent on this offense. And then we see the defense, the pieces they pick up, man, they're like stragglers, dude. It's like $4 million being spent here, like $3 million being spent here. What, what do they think is going to happen, man? Like, like during the draft, all of a sudden you're just going to get – quality professional pieces that, that knows the, the system and ma- magic is just going to make it happen. And we're going to finally have a, 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 a defense that knows how to compete. And it's just whack, man. I, I ain't getting it. McDaniels. Let me whoever, ask you this. Let me ask you this real quick. And, and this yeah. is, uh, you know, it's always, uh, it's always respect. I just want to know what, what difference makers did you see out there sign a free agent deal that you thought the Raiders should have got? Oh man, okay, I I go. I mean, go, a, lot yeah, go for them, it. Uh, a lot of them re- retained where they were. I like Levante David. He'll give Travis Kelsey the blues, and mm-hmm. then uh, Trey Mann Edmonds. Edmonds, I thought he should have been drafted way back when Cole Miller got drafted, but I was wrong on that because Cole didn't end up balling, man. So mm-hmm. you know, I totally admit it when I'm wrong on something, right? And, and um, even man, I mean, like. Uh, Perryman, you know, we let him go. He can't cover, but he's a baller. You know, he's a thumper. And 
the guy that they put in there explain, he can't cover either. You know, so it's just like you exchanging one for the other one and explain gonna be better than Perryman. Who no, knows? He's no. a couple in, he's a couple inches taller, but you know, man, it's just looking like if the defense isn't isn't good, they're going to put it all on the defensive coordinator, which ain't fair at all because he ain't got a shot because he ain't got no hot pieces in from the <laughs> beginning. He's just dealing with a game, game of garbage, and then we're going to hope that, that during the draft we get better pieces, you know, to come help out the right. defense, and, and I'm hoping for the best. Really, I am. But at the same time, it's like it just doesn't make sense. It's like the insanity is doing the same thing over hoping for better results. Right. And this dude is drafting offense all over again, not giving the respect and putting the proper pieces for his staff to be able to work with better defensive players. Now, if the, the, the defensive coordinator is asking for these cats, then, you know, I got to question that. <laughs> but, right. you know, at the same time, if he's giving these pieces without any input, then that ain't right. And they looking for a scapegoat, you ask me. All right. Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate you. Good stuff. It's always great to hear from you. And I'll just point out this. The guys that you mentioned, Levante David, as you said, stayed home with Tampa Bay. So the Raiders didn't get him. Uh, you're talking about Edmonds. I was a high-ticket guy. They weren't going to spend that. And Denzel Perriman still doesn't have a team. Those are the three guys that you mentioned, and none of those guys. And Perriman could end up back. Who knows? I don't think Spillane is a huge upgrade over him. I don't think he's an upgrade over him at all. But he's a, a, another guy. But none of those guys that I just mentioned are difference makers that the Raiders could have brought, especially David. Levante David stayed home with Tampa Bay. Edmonds was a huge ticket item. So I, I just I, I think that what we're talking about is the difference makers haven't really been there in free agency anyway. I don't think the Raiders were going to spend big money, but they weren't really there to begin with. 431 is the time. Thanks for the call, my man. Appreciate you. D. Orlando Ledbetter joins the show next. Talk all things Auburn Pro Day. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Tell me how these randoms keep getting jobs. Don't worry about it. I'm going to say I can't wait to say that. I love it. I love it. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Very nicely done right there. That was Cam Newton as he made his announcement that he would be throwing at Auburn's Pro Day. That was something that I, I was alerted to on Twitter yesterday and made me interested in what was going on at the Auburn Pro Day. Not that I shouldn't be interested anyway, but just kind of made me a little bit more intrigued. And in a matter of minutes, we'll have D. Orlando Ledbetter from the AJC on to talk about what he saw at Auburn's Pro Day as he was there. But I did want to get to a couple texts real quick off that don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r This one's from Sir Whiskey Ray, and this one's a special one. I'm glad we're here for you, Sir Whiskey Ray. He said, let me start off my text by saying, it's one of them bad days. My stepson got sent home due to a fight. My stepdaughter runs into a pole while at practice of her junior college soccer team and suffers a broken nose and loses two teeth. It's pouring here in the Bay over Bay Area. I'm over this rain. I'm now chiming in because I need my unnecessary roughness fix along with laughs and Raider talk. Not sure what today's topic is, but I'll say this. I like what Ziggler's been doing here the last 36 hours, bringing in players for depth and co- uh, competition. I'm all on board with Jimmy G and hope the rest of Raider Nation is as well. Thanks as always for a moment of your time. I could really use a drink right now, gentlemen. Sir Whiskey Ray. I love it. I love it. Great text right there because we could be that outlet for you when you're having a rough day. And clearly, uh, maybe you might not be having a rough day, but the kids are having a rough day. So, uh, you know, I get it, man. I get it. But like I said, appreciate you and uh, like the fact that you like what uh, Dave Ziegler's got going on. I think he's operating this free agency uh, area uh, area, or not area, but uh, time period like he should. So thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. Join us now on the phone line, as mentioned from the AJC, is our good friend D. Orlando Ledbetter. And D, it's been a minute. It was great seeing you at the Combine. I hope all is well, wanted to ask you about the Auburn Pro Day. And first of all, 
What did you think? How many more eyeballs were on Auburn's Pro Day today because Cam Newton was in attendance? Well, they had all 32 teams here, and I'm not sure if all 32 would have been here had he not been throwing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they were, uh, you know, wanted to see what he had to offer. And uh, they have, they do have some pro prospects here, too, defensive end, uh, Hall, and, uh, you know, a few other kids, uh, Cedric Jackson, Tank uh, uh, Bigsby. Uh, so, yeah, they, they have some prospects here. They have 15 players working out. So um, uh, it was a, a different pro day here for Auburn. Yeah, I had no doubt about it, and I saw the note that you had said you were already planning on being in attendance at Auburn's Pro Day before Cam Newton made the announcement, but obviously that intrigued everyone, including myself, when Cam said he was going to be there throwing. So as far as just the, the vibe around there, what do you think was the biggest thing for Cam to show uh, the, the, the teams that were there in attendance what he could do now? Well, you know, his arm strength was the issue at the end for him. He couldn't throw the ball across his body uh, with the shoulder injury. You know, he couldn't uh, – and I saw it up close. Uh, you know, I was at his pro day inside Jordan Hare when he was coming out in 10. So um, you could tell the velocity uh, on his ball had diminished greatly in them last couple years in New England and uh, uh, Carolina, those last eight games there. But uh, today he had the um, – he had a fastball back, so to speak, and looks like he still got it. There you go. D. Orlando Ledbetter from the AJC is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. Did Cam speak to the media after the Pro Day session? No, he didn't. Uh, you know, but, um, you know, that, that might have just fed into the narrative that he was stealing away the, the spotlight from the kids who were coming out of college. So he was cognizant about that, and uh, uh, Kalen spoke on his he have his brother uh, that played at Howard and uh, finished his career here as a wide receiver. You know, I wanted to ask you about that because I heard that narrative. I, you know, I threw the question out there if Raider Nation would wouldn't mind seeing Cam as a backup here in in Vegas. And some people hit back and said, "No, he's out there taking the the, the shine away from the youngsters." I didn't see it like that. D, did you think that he was taking any shine away from anybody? Well, no, I I, I um I didn't, but. I can understand that, but he made sure not to do that. Um, he didn't talk to anybody. He warmed up by himself away from the kids. Uh, and then when it was time for him to throw, he came in. And, uh, you know, he he wanted to throw to his soundtrack. And he was more worried about his music uh, being played <laughs> than he was uh, about, uh, you know, his throws and stuff. So uh, he wanted to hear some Little Baby and some of his Atlanta stuff. So. Uh, once they got the music going, he was ready to go. I know Kalen more as a quarterback from his time at Howard when they beat UNLV in that game when he came You're out of Vegas. still salty about that, I'm still you? salty about <laughs> it. Hey, man, one of the biggest upsets ever. But how was Kalen looking as a receiver? Um, a little small, and I remember him too because, you know, I, um, I did a story on him after that. You know, I got them to pay for my homecoming that year. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, bow-legged, little slow, good hands, though. Uh, maybe he could get in camp as a slot receiver. There you go. Again, we're talking with D. Orlando Ledbetter from the AJC here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, you cover the Atlanta Falcons like a glove. Uh, they're sitting there at, what, number eight, right behind the, the Raiders. What is their biggest need going into this upcoming draft? Yeah, they, they, they need everything, y'all. They, uh, it's not a need thing here. Uh, they got to get better in the trenches on both sides of the ball. 
21 sacks last year. They couldn't get after the quarterback, couldn't cover anybody, couldn't stop the run. Uh, defensively, offensively, couldn't throw the ball past 10 yards, uh, but they couldn't run the ball. So they were third and rushing. So uh, with that in mind, you can go anywhere you need to go at eight. Why do the Falcons not want Lamar Jackson? Um, it costs too much. Um, you know, that's uh, that, that just because Cleveland set the market out there doesn't mean you have to follow them. Uh, you know, and uh, they don't really, uh, you know, see where they could give him $250 million and still have a football team after that and give up two number ones. So the, the price was too high. Uh, they tried to get the shine. And when that price got too high, they got out of that one too. Well, you guys are getting some one of the Raiders fan favorites after one oh, yeah. season, Mac Hollins. What do you expect his role to be with the Falcons this season? Yeah, they need a number two, um, somebody to uh, get open when uh, people are doubling Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Uh, you know, uh, if he can do that and beat some one on ones, he should be open. Yeah, he be- he became the Raiders' de facto number two because of injury last season, and he he showed up and showed out, did a heck of a job, and then obviously he does really well on special teams as well. D. Orlando Ledbetter is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. I want to go back to the draft real quick, and you covered Georgia football in, in college as well. I mean, you know all that that you you know it all. I mean, you cover it all like a glove. But where do you think the Falcons are when it comes to Jalen Carter if he happens to be sitting there at number eight? Yeah, they, they um, I think they're in the, uh, the Fred group. You know, they got all the background checks and everything going on. Them. Uh, and they're talking this uh, character stuff. And, uh, you know, we're going to take the guys that fit our locker room and all that kind of stuff. Those are buzzwords to stay away from the guys with the red check marks. And he's got a couple. Yeah, no, he does have a few. And really, honestly, D, I mean, the, the stuff off the field is one thing, but what actually concerned me a little bit more was the pro day and showing up not in shape and not being able to finish. How much of a red flag for you was that? No, I understood that one. Cause, okay. I mean, he, he's clear, he's clearly uh, in a bad place right now. He was, in the, uh, he was drag racing his teammates who died in a car accident. And, um, you know, from January 15th to to mark them, I probably didn't find too much time to work out. Um, you know, he was in front, so he didn't get charged with vehicular homicide. He saw the curve and slowed down. They didn't see it. They crashed. So, yeah, he's messed up uh, mentally right now. Right. So, football-wise, I really wasn't expecting much, but I wasn't expecting him to uh, pretty much be throwing up at the end and, and have a leg cramp either. And he looked bad. Uh, just doing the bag drill. I was like, oh, that don't look good. <laughs> and um, so I understand that, you know, I'm 20. My friends just got killed in an accident. Um, yeah, I'm a, I probably should be working out. It's probably cost me about $16 million. But, um, you know, when you don't have much, you don't really know how much it's costing you. So uh, I understand that the kid's in the bad spot. Somebody's going to take a shot on at him and try to get his head together and maybe turn him into a football player uh, after this tough period in his young life. All right, D, I'm a Titans fan, so I've got to ask, what are the thoughts down there in Atlanta about Arthur Smith? I mean, two seven and ten seasons. What are the thoughts on him as a head coach? Um, they think he's done a great job of making, you know, lemonade out of lemons. Uh, you know, they're seven and ten in two years, um, trying to establish their identity. They play hard. But uh, it's kind of takeoff time now. They need to uh, see him do something. 
I need to see the um, uh, Falcons turn the corner and put up some wins in uh, uh, NFC South that's there for the taking. So, uh, yeah, they've been pleased so far, but now it's time to see if they can move, you know, past the 8-8 eight and eight bunch of 7-10 and 10 bunch of teams that be a uh, playoff contender again. Is there any chance that Atlanta is interested in a potential quarterback like a Will Levitz or an Anthony Richardson in the draft? No, I'm a, uh, I've been uh, hearing that they don't like these quarterbacks either. Uh, they think the first tier and the second tier is the same group. And, um, you know, so they're going to probably sit the quarterback thing out again. What about, uh, what, I'm sorry, what about Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia who's a Las Vegas native? What, what can you tell us about him? Uh, yeah, everybody's just marveled at how big Darnell is. And, you know, we've been watching him. He looked kind of clumsy uh, during his days at Georgia. You know, he's the second best tight end on that team behind Brock Bowers. But um, at the combine, he ran that 4-6, and uh, he looked great at the pro day. Uh, I saw him uh, snag one of Stephanie Bennett's low balls just to see a big man at 6-7 with two, two – uh, he was 272 at Pro Day, pulling a little extra weight. But to see him just kind of reach down and pluck that ball out of the air was mighty impressive. Final question for you is about Stetson Bennett. What do you think about him on the next level? Again, you've been covering the NFL like a long, for a long time. Do you think he could survive on the next level? No, I think he's too short and his arm's too weak. But, hey, uh, you know, maybe he can get in camp to be the next Chase Daniels or something. <laughs> you know, Chase has been around about 12 years holding that clipboard. Collecting in checks. About, about, about $20 million bucks there. So, yeah, that's about the ceiling for him, I think. But he was the winner at Georgia, and he'll probably never buy another beer in Athens for sure. Right, absolutely. No doubt about it. Well, D, we always appreciate catching up with you, my man. I'm assuming you're going to be in Phoenix next week for the owners' meetings? Yes, I am. I um, will get back to Atlanta, go teach at Georgia tomorrow, and get back over to Alabama for Bryce Young, and then uh, – Get out here on Sunday for the uh, owners' meeting. All right. Well, I'll see you out there in Phoenix. It's always great to catch up with you, my man. Be safe, and we'll talk soon. All right. No problem. You take care. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you, brother. There he goes. D. Orlando Ledbetter. That's my guy from the AJC. You can find him on Twitter, at D. Orlando AJC. Uh, great guy right there. He's a wealth of knowledge. Been covering the NFL for a very, very long time. and just gives a little bit of a skinny on uh, Georgia players, uh, the Falcons, what they plan on doing in the upcoming draft. And you heard what he had to say. They need everything, but they plan on sitting out when it comes to the quarterbacks. 448 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. It's been a very busy day here on Unnecessary Roughness. Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network kicked things off. Talked all things Cam Sims. Also talked about... Tight ends in the upcoming draft. Always love to talk a little draft with Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. Does a fantastic job. John McClain, our good friend from gallerysports.com. Sports Radio 610, join us at 3. Talk all things NFL. 3.30, Nate Geary, Bills pregame. WGR 550, join us to talk all things Jaquan Johnson. Definitely appreciate him and his efforts. And also talking about Josh Allen and what it was like when 
he was first drafted, knowing that he had uh, some areas of improvement that he had to go through, that Brian Dayball was able to coach him up and take him to the next level. And I'm really interested, and we had to let Nate go, but I was really kind of interested in, are they concerned that now without Dayball, he may be taking a little bit of a step back? Ooh, I really like what he said about Anthony Richardson being the closer comp yeah. to Josh Allen right. rather than Will Levis, because I do think that Josh Allen is an extreme athlete, mm-hmm. you know, but it is the white quarterback, how good, like, hey, right. Josh Allen, he can Scott move. And and Will Levis, he's not that athlete. He doesn't have that arm. That he said he had a cannon, but it ain't that Josh Allen cannon. So I was, it was glad to hear somebody from Buffalo. It's like, eh, ease it up on that comp a little bit. I think, yeah, I think it's easy to kind of associate guys like that. Like everyone immediately, I know Harry Douglas from ESPN, my good friend Harry Douglas, said that he thought that Anthony Richardson was a more athletic Cam Newton, and that's a big, that's a big statement because Cam was a hell of a quarterback. Not just an athlete, he was a hell of a quarterback coming out of college, led Auburn to a national championship, obviously. But I understood where he was coming from as far as the athleticism. I just wouldn't say he's that good of a quarterback, right? So I think when you see guys that look kind of similar to each other, size and strength and athletic ability, you say it's easy to say, oh, he's the next Cam. Oh, he's the next Josh Allen. Oh, he's the next, you know, uh, Hunter Renfro. He's the next Wes Walker. He's, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's easy to do that association like you're talking about. Because with Cam, when he came into the league, there was no doubt. I think it was the first game. Everybody knew that yo Cam Cam Newton is going to be a star in this league. Right. Where with Josh Allen, it is more of that progression, progression, progression. You know, he he needs to play more football, mm-hmm. like Nate said. So right. that's why with Richardson, I really want to see him play more football, but right. he still needs to sit. Right, and that's the that's kind of the that's kind of the fine line when it comes to Anthony Richardson. Because I'm with you, and me and Vinny were talking about this at the combine. I mean, he literally has 13 starts in college. That's it. That's a handful. That's nothing. So I think instead of just having him sit and watch, and I don't know how he learns. I know everyone learns differently, but I feel like he's a guy that would need to be in action. He'd, he'd, be, he'd have to be on the field, and I'm not saying he'd have to be on the field all the time like, oh, hey, it's your team. Go, rookie. I'm not saying that, but I, I go back and I reference back to when the Niners had Cap and they had Alex Smith and they'd bring Cap in for some packages. I think it, whoever grabs Anthony Richardson, that's what you have to do. You have to bring him in in packages here and there. He's a threat to throw the ball. He's obviously a guy that can run the rock. I think you just have to sprinkle him into some game action just to get him familiar with the NFL. Man, I, I am so rooting for him to fall to number seven, as people say. Oh, that oh, he he drop seven is dropping for a guy who before the start of the season people weren't even thinking about on their radar because I think it'd be so much fun with going to coming into an offense as Josh McDaniels. We know that he can scheme around players. We talk about Cam Newton. Yeah. That year he had Cam. They were around a five hundred team, you know, until like he missed two games. But, hey, they were still a 500 team that year. Right. So I think that he would be able to really work his magic because I think, oh, it's his system, Tom Brady. I think that Josh McDaniels, he'll, he'll, his system will be able to adapt to whoever the quarterback well, is. Well, he's had multiple quarterbacks, right? He said that at the Combine. You know, he had Tom Brady, obviously, for the longest, right? He had uh, Cam Newton, had Mac Jones, had Derek Carr. I he mean, won he, 10 he, games with Matt Castle. I mean, right. I mean, he's had, <laughs> he's had different quarterbacks that are different flavors and different styles, so it shows that he can – he can use those guys, uh, you know, and and really uh, make a, a put a game plan around them. I'd be interested to see what he does. Uh, I'm interested to see how it looks with Jimmy G. I think that the playbook opens up with Jimmy G. I think that he's more comfortable. I'm not saying that Jimmy G is a better quarterback or a smarter quarterback than DC. I just think that Josh McDaniels is more comfortable opening up the playbook with Jimmy G because he knows what to expect from him as opposed to he's learning on the fly. Yeah, that's the bingo right there. Where everyone, why he's not that much better than right. him. you're splitting hairs, but it's about that comfort that you mm-hmm. say where it's hey I call that I know he knows that play just as well as I do right 
And that's all. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. And if that's what he thinks is going to be the the little bit of an edge mm-hmm. at a cheaper price at quarterback, I agree with him. Right. And, and the other thing about it is, and I've said this many times, you want guys around you that think like you. I don't know how many times you've hit me up and said, oh, man, I was thinking like you and I thought that this is what I should do. Right? I mean, how many times have you said that? And that's just being around me for a couple, couple years now. Right? Almost two years. And you're like, oh, I know exactly what this dude's thinking. Let me go ahead and do this. And I'm sure that that's what he wants to do. You don't have to hit me and ask me. Right? Because you already know. I'm laughing right now because, yeah, if some if some of the other people in the building were your producer, it wouldn't be that same bit of, hey, man, so-and-so just posted this article. We should have him on the show today. Right. I already, I already texted him about 3.30. Right, exactly. There's been many times where I'm like, hey, Damon, we should do this. Yeah, I'm already on it. All right, cool. Just because that happens, it rubs off on you. And that's with every walk of life. You have people around you that you're familiar with. You have people around you that you're comfortable with and that you work with all the time. You know, hey, that I start thinking like them. I, I think like David Smoke. <laughs> right? That was the guy who I was around all the time. I think like him now. And that's just how I operate. And now you're part of the David Smoke tree. <laughs> right? Like we talk about the Belichick tree, right? You're part of the David Smoke tree. I'm, I'm, a, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a branch off of him. You're a branch off of me. Just Nothing has is. made me feel more like an athlete than to say I'm off somebody's tree. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> he gonna try to ride that one out now. He gonna come into work one day. Hey, you know I'm part of the smoke tree? I don't know if you noticed this, but I've been wearing like a little arm. Yeah, I'm wearing see, a Raider yeah, wristband yeah, today. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. What are you doing? Back in the early 2000s, we used to accessorize more. You remember you were there. So tomorrow I might add a headband. You never know. Maybe I, go find a 3X jersey I somewhere. Want, I just want to know how you got a Raider wristband on your arm now. That's all I want to know. Oh, they were giving them away at the high school football game of the week. So one of the games that I went to, I took one. So that literally was your accessory. for Like you really put that on for no other reason besides you were going to accessorize. Yes. <laughs> boy, oh boy. <laughs> DeMond, DeMond, DeMond. All right. Well, there's DeMond. Coming up next, you're going to hear the Raider Roundtable. JT the Brick, Lincoln Kennedy, and myself. We recorded it earlier today. We definitely uh, had a fun time recording it. We do encourage you to check it out. It's coming up on Raider Nation Radio 920 next.